Welcome to Therapist Who Brunch, a podcast in collaboration with Dive Through. I'm Dr. Carrie, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Erica, and I'm a clinical social worker. We're here to talk all things therapy and beyond. From candid conversations with other mental health professionals to personal anecdotes, nothing is off limits. So grab a mimosa or a coffee and let's dig in. Erica, welcome back to Therapist to Brunch. Hi guys, it's Dr. Carrie. I am officially a licensed psychologist now. Well, I guess we'll be talking about that some more, but yeah. Yes, licensed already. So we have a really special guest on here today. We met via Instagram. Her name is Brenna Guinan. She is a mental health counselor and a rehabilitation counselor. And crazy thing, she lives near me, which is so funny because we met online. But she can give a more of an introduction to herself because we just want to get her on here. But hi, Brenna. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am so excited to chat. We're so obsessed with your podcast. Like I saw you on Shrink Chicks, which I love that podcast too. And so, yeah, I feel like your, I mean, your mission as a podcast is very similar to ours, which is super cool. Yeah, I like kind of started it on a whim. Um, It was during COVID. And obviously in New York, Erica, we were like on lockdown forever. And I was just kind of hearing from my clients, like that my friends and family must be so lucky to have me and that, you know, they're so thankful for me. And that's also great. But at the same time, I was like, we're collectively all struggling. Like no one has their shit together right now. We're literally living in our houses like 24 seven. None of this is normal. Um, And I was like, I'm just going to like start a podcast where people can feel like they're not alone in their struggles or in their quote unquote craziness. And yeah, I'm like not that person that does this stuff. So as I was starting it, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But here we are. Yes. It's so funny. Actually, I didn't say the name of the podcast, but it's a real fucking talk. It is so good. I literally slid into Brenda's Brenda's DMs on Instagram because I was like, I love the podcast. Let's do a live. And this is kind of how this all happened. And now we love her and we've adopted her into the Therapist Who Brunch family. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we should talk about that. COVID was so hard. It's still so hard. I mean, ugh. was this kind of your outlet during COVID to do the podcast or? I think yes. Like, Uh, I'm a huge walker and like now it's funny on Instagram I'll do like real fucking walk like instead of real fucking talk Um, (laughs) I I do it all the time I just recently thought of that too and I was like how haven't I done this before but (laughs) so yeah I spent like hours outside each day just walking because what else was there to do um but and I don't know if you guys can relate and I'd love to hear but I have just always been way more comfortable talking about other people's stuff rather than my own. So I think subconsciously, it has been really, really helpful and therapeutic for me to have kind of a place where, yes, I have other people on to share their story, but it also holds me accountable to like speak my own truth and be vulnerable with not just like friends and family, but people who listen to the podcast. Like how can I ask others to be vulnerable and open and raw if I'm not willing to do the same? So it's been really, really therapeutic for me. I don't know. Can you guys relate to that? I feel like you put it into words. Maybe that's why we're all therapists because we're so much more comfortable (laughs) dealing with other people's shit than our own. 
Totally. Yeah, for sure. When you were talking, I was thinking about when me and Carrie started this podcast, because we both run Instagrams that are like more parent related for our coaching and therapy practices. We kind of thought this would be an example of that. Like we'd be talking about mental health and in relation to kids and parents. And it's really turned into just like a really... I don't know, fun, like journal slash hangout with a friend talking about mental health topics, which ironically is the point of our like therapist who is the name of it. And I kind of agree. I feel like the more we've had episodes, the more I've wanted to share more about myself. And I'm used to being kind of hush hush about that. But we spoke about in our live about how like talking to our clients and kind of divulging some information about them. And you were saying how sometimes you feel like it's really helpful. Do you think you've been more able to do that now that you kind of have this podcast and you're a little bit more used to sharing your stuff? A little bit. And it's interesting because I don't openly share the podcast with clients, but like there have been times that a client has been struggling with something that I just released an episode about and I feel like it could really help them. So I'll be like, Hey, I, there's this podcast episode. I think you would really benefit from, but I do just want to let you know that like, I'm actually the host of it. And like, it's not something that I typically share, but like this one episode, I think you could really benefit from. So obviously I have clients who have Googled me before. I've actually lost clients because of it. Like I've had clients who were like, Oh, you have podcasts. I don't like that. Um, which is totally fine. Like it's not everyone's comfort and cup of tea. And I absolutely get that. But for the people who do know, they have actually found like such benefit from it. And it's so wild because it's something that I never thought could be helpful to my clients. And it's not something that I ever thought I would share. And like I said, I don't openly share it. Um, but for the few that I have shared with, they now like listen and yeah, it's, it's wild because in the intros, I share like stuff about me personally. Like last week I was having a mental breakdown and literally like cried on my intro for 10 minutes. I was like, I have a friendship wound and I'm triggered. And like, I was sobbing. And one of my clients was like, I feel that too. Like, and then it like prompted the whole, you know, their whole session. So it really does connect people's self-disclosure. Do you guys feel that same way? Totally. But what you just said about the friendship wound, I just have to say it before this, Carrie was like, you guys are the same person about me and Brenna. And I have such a friendship wound in so many different ways. And we've talked about it on the podcast before. So I just think it's so, I don't know, endearing that you were able to share that. But yes, I definitely feel that way. What about you, Carrie? Yeah. I mean, I, as far as like therapy clients, I don't openly share that I have a podcast, but I do with like my coaching clients. And it's fine because I do parent coaching, which this podcast is obviously not parenting related, but a lot of the parents, they love it. And like, I think it's because they're at a similar life stage as we are maybe like slightly older, maybe even younger. And so they kind of like relate to it and like to know that we're going through similar things. It's just so funny because so many like people, they're like, wait, therapists don't have it all together. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> totally. I feel like therapists usually have so much going on more so than the average person, because not only are we holding on to all of these stories, our clients and our coaching clients and whoever share with us, we hold on to our own stuff too. And a lot of times, at least I know this from myself, but for it to be true, and we kind of touched upon this it can be really hard to give yourself the space to deal with your own stuff because it's the last thing you want to do when you just sat in sessions for six hours talking to everybody else about their stuff. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I definitely 
relate to that. It, I think that's why walking is so therapeutic for me because it's like, and I really try to do at least an hour per day. Like today I got two hours in and I was like, woo, but that really is self-care for me. Like it's moving my body. It's clearing my mind. I can, I've been reading like a book on audible on my walk. So like listening to music, just even journaling, like I will use my notes app and journal while I walk sometimes. And I think that starting my day that way is for me so important so that I can hold space. Like I, that and my own therapy, like I need to like process my own shit so that I can hold yours. I'm a huge walker too. So I love that you do. I'm going to start tagging you in my real fucking walks. Because yes, use the hashtag. Yes. Oh it my God, so we perfect. should. Yes. That's amazing. It's, oh, it's that's perfect. so good. By the way, speaking of books, this is totally off topic and I'm going to butcher the name, but has anyone ever read Verity by Colleen Hoover? Yeah, I've read all of her books. I love her. Okay. Well, Carrie, you have to read it like ASAP. I'm reading it now. And so self, this relates to self-care because my best self-care is when I get up early enough where I can walk, do some sort of meditation and read before I have to start a crazy day. And today I was actually able to do that. So win that way. But I read this book for 20 minutes and I, every five minutes of today that I had a chance to read, I've been reading it and I can't put it down. So it's really good. And there's a lot of like mental health stuff in there. It's a little crazy, but mm-hmm. all of capacity. her, all of her books, like kind of have like that spin and that effect that it grabs you in after Verity, you got to read it ends with us. That's a good one. I read that one. I read that one first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, good. I've seen that one. It's like, Everybody says it's like the best book ever. It's popular right now. Yeah, it's really yes. popular. Yeah. But yeah, just that's a little aside, but I guess it works with self-care. But totally. yeah, I mean, I think that, what else did you say? Oh, therapist going to therapy. I feel like that's such a taboo topic that I've always been super open with about. And I, every time I've said to a client, like, you know, a lot of therapists go to therapy, right? They've been like, what? What do you mean? That's so crazy. Why? And, but it's opened up so much dialogue appropriately like dialogue around the fact that it's not so taboo or weird to go to therapy Mm -hmm. I actually have that in my psychology today profile and like I've gotten clients because of that like I earlier this week so the practice I work at I don't necessarily get all of the calls for my clients like they'll call the practice and sometimes my supervisor will answer and she will like send them the paperwork and all of that which is great but um I had a client this week who's newer But I was talking to them and I was like, you know, I go to therapy too. It's a team. So I'm like trying to build rapport and like whatever. And she was like, I know. And I was like, have I told you that before? And she was like, no, it said it on your page. And I was like, oh, you found me from psychology today. And she was like, my mom liked that. And I was like, oh, okay. So some people really do like that. But also like going back to what I was saying before, some people might not like that. Some people might say, you know, I want someone who quote unquote has their shit together and like, okay, you don't think I have my shit together. That's fine. None of us actually do, but cool. Yeah. I mean, I think therapists who go to therapy usually have more knowledge and awareness about themselves. So I think that's always a good part of things. I became a better therapist once I started going to therapy, which I didn't go to therapy until I was 28 years old. So wow. was a lot. Oh my gosh. Kinda, when was your first time in therapy? If you don't mind us asking. Yeah, I was going through a breakup in college. I think I was 20. 
Um, and it's so funny looking back because I really thought that it was like the end of the world. Like I remember calling my dad crying, being like, I'm never going to marry it. Like I felt the pressures of being a young adult and being like, you know, almost graduated with college being like, I'm not going to find anyone, blah, blah, blah. And looking back, I'm like, we didn't, we dated for three years. And like, we never said, I love you. Like we, we were like friends that like kissed, like we weren't like (laughs) super into each other. Like, you know, I think I was more so in that stage of life where I was like, it feels scary to be alone. Um, and yeah, looking back, I have like a seven year boyfriend now who I will hopefully soon, Pat, if you're listening, propose to me, get married to. Um, but Yes, that was my first time in therapy because I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Like I just felt a ton of anxiety. Um, and then I took a brief hiatus from therapy. I went back to school because I was like, I'm feeling good. And then I ended up having like a severe, not even anxiety attack. And I still like can't identify what it was, but I had a really long, like eight month period where my anxiety symptoms were like super physical, super severe. I was going to the hospital no one could tell me what was wrong. Weirdly, I think like my wisdom teeth being impacted had an effect on my anxiety. So I got all four of them removed and it like decreased. I got off of birth control and it decreased a little bit. So I think there was just a whole lot happening, but it was then that I went back to therapy and my therapist was like, I think maybe medication would be really beneficial for you. And I have been on Lexapro ever since. And I feel much more myself on Lexapro than I do when I'm not on Lexapro. Yeah. Thank you for normalizing taking medication too for your mental health. I mean, I have heard a lot of people say like meditation is the easy way out. Like I don't want to do that. And I am pro meditation for sure. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. It was so brave of you, but also I, I can totally relate to like just kind of the things you were going through. And I don't think I've actually shared on this podcast before, but I feel like I should since you just openly shared. I also take medication for anxiety and I I, I have no problem sharing it just doesn't always come up and I take effectser and it's something that I also agree with your statement about how I feel more like myself when I'm on it than when I'm not. And I like want to keep saying that because I think that's such an important statement. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard for people who don't necessarily struggle with anxiety to the point that they need medication to understand. Like there was one time in the beginning of my relationship with my boyfriend, Pat, where he, we were like out and we were at his like 10 year reunion and we were having a really good time. And he had said something like, just like sleep over. And I was like, no, I can't, I have to go home and take my medication. And he meant no harm by it, but he was like, oh, you're still on that. Like, but I got really offended and weirdly embarrassed and felt this shame where later on. So then I like, was like, all right, I'm going to get off of it. So I like slowly stopped taking it. I tapered off by myself, but I found myself crying way more. My anxiety was so intense. So I ended up like a week later, like just spilling it all to him. And I was like, I have been off that medication because you made that comment. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was like, I meant nothing about that comment. I know nothing about anxiety medication. I didn't, I thought it was like an antibiotic. Like I didn't know that Mm. you take, like you keep taking it. So for him, he was like, I just thought it was like a Z-pack where in seven days you don't take it anymore. Like I'm, I meant no shame in that comment. Um, and then I was like, do you see how I am? Like, this is not me. Like I need that medication. And he was like, I would never want you to not take that medication because of anything I I said. And I hate that you even held this in for a week and like tried to do this. But so for him, he is just not an anxious person. 
Um, so for him, he's not even aware of like the very general logistics of medication management and anxiety in general. So it's been a learning curve for him to really be accepting and educated on what anxiety is and how he can best help me when I'm feeling anxious. That's amazing that you guys were able to communicate about that though, because like something like where he just did not know could have easily ended a relationship, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that would have stressed me out for sure. And like, I would have been like hiding it or taking my medication or be like, they don't understand. The avoidant this. attachment. We did an episode, <laughs> I know we did an episode on like our attachment styles way back in the day. And every time we talk, this avoidant and anxious attachment for me, Carrie, always comes back up. <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah, I have it too. Thinking, yeah. I, I'm thinking like, okay, I would have been really anxious. Like they dislike me, but then I would have been avoidant and either like ended it with them or just like started like fading away. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like essentially what I did. I was like, okay, I'm anxious because now I feel like you're judging me. And then I like avoided the issue. And I was like, I'm just going to make it go away. I'm going to stop taking it. We're like, hello, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I'm back on it. Thank God. But there's been times and I feel like it's super common for everyone who's on medication that you sometimes feel like you're stronger than the medication. Like, okay, I'm feeling good. I don't need this anymore. And you either stop taking it cold turkey and then you get the brain zaps and the sweats and all of that. Or you taper off by yourself and you realize like, holy shit, I still need this. Or you taper off and you do realize like, okay, I'm in a better place now. I don't need this. For me personally, the wires in my brain are not connected for connection. They are connected for protection. So I need that Lexapro to calm me down. I think it's a really good way to put it. I have yet to experience what I'm like off of it since I've been on it. So to be determined, I guess. But I know, I mean, I feel that pressure sometimes because I'm into a lot of holistic approaches now and I'm getting more into that like kind of work. And, you know, there it can be a little bit more shameful in those types of communities to be using some sort of quote unquote substance to get rid of your anxiety when you should be using meditation and breath work. But for me right now, I need all of it and all of it's helpful. And I think they're all like tools in the toolbox. And yeah, I feel like we can continue this conversation, but I don't want to let you go without talking about just like being a young adult and all of these struggles that we kind of face. We talked a lot in our live about like this pressure to do things at a certain time. And I want to like pick your brain on it. And I know Carrie has a ton to say on this topic too. Yes. Um, I guess what I'm personally, like where I am in my life, I'm 28. My boyfriend is going to be 32 in February. Um, we've been dating for seven years. So I'm at the point where like our friends are either married or engaged. Most of them for the most part. Um, so I'm feeling this like wanting to get married and all of this stuff. But I did talk with my therapist because I've been with her for a couple of years and she was like, okay, let's reassess because there was a time like three years ago that I was saying the same things. And we just kind of decided like, I was not ready for marriage. And looking back at that time in my life, I was like, thank God that I did not get married because I was not ready, but I'm really at the place where I'm ready to get married. But I feel like there's also, you know, I'd be lying if I said like, I'm not envious of friends who have been dating for less time than Pat and I that are engaged or married now. Like, you know, there is that like unspoken pressure and race almost in society of like, okay, you've been dating for this amount of time, so you should be married. And if you're not, something's wrong. I get that all the time. And I'm also from the South, which is like, 
Oh I my God, like you should have been married at 21. My brother was. By now. Stop. <laughs> yes, which is just crazy. And I am 30 and like, I feel so much pressure. And I got out of a really long relationship. It was like four years right before COVID started. So like a year and a half before. And honestly, it wasn't a good relationship, but I feel like what kept me there is like the pressure and like me being like, Oh my God, I'm almost 30. Like I, this is, this is just what my life is going to be like, but like, that's not a good reason Mm -hmm. to adhere to a timeline. Yeah. I actually have a friend who is married. She's in her mid thirties. Um, and she's married and is unhappy in the marriage, but she's flat out said like, I, fear leaving more than I fear staying because I'm in my mid thirties. All of my friends are married, having babies. Like I can't start over where, you know, it's, and of course it's never easy being in that situation. It's always easier for the people giving advice, like to say like, you can start over, you know, you're still young, but the like logic of it is that like, at 35, you can get a divorce. You can break up with your partner and you can still have like 50 happy years with a partner if you want, or by yourself, if you want, like, you know, your life is still, there's still so much life to live. I have a friend who just got married or she's getting married this weekend and she's 45 and is like, I mean, she's, this is her second marriage and she got out of one when she was unhappy in her thirties. And yeah, but like, even like, it is scary to leave those things and thinking like, I'm not, this is not what I pictured in my brain. But like one thing I do that I remind myself of is like, I am so much happier, even the times where I am feeling lonely when I'm single and alone than the times where I was in that relationship because I felt lonely in that relationship. So like Mm -hmm. totally is better. Yeah. Uh, As a perpetually like single person, honest, I feel the pressure of like, oh no, if I want to have kids, if I want to get married, like, how do I start that timeline? That means I need to meet somebody tomorrow. And then in two years, we need to be engaged, like blah, blah, blah. And what really centers me and calms me down. One is the fact that both my, well, my parents didn't meet until they were 34. They didn't get married till they were 35. They didn't have me till they were whatever, 36, whatever it was. And, you know, my parents are the only people in my family, basically, that didn't get divorced. So maybe Mm -hmm. there's something to say for waiting longer, but it's also like, my parents got married and engaged in marriage within six months. You don't need to have seven years or three years or four years under your belt. You can, there's nothing wrong with it, but there really is zero timeline. It's like all just adapted. And I do feel like the timeline is more on women for some reason, which Mm -hmm. drives me nuts, but. Well, biologically, like there is like that pressure Mm -hmm. for women, which like I feel like that's definitely for me where a lot of that pressure does come from. Like biologically, if you like want to have kids, like, yes, there are new technologies, but like might not be feasible for everyone still. Um, And even, I don't know if I want kids, but still it's like, I feel a pressure to decide that. So totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that. I mean, we've talked about this before of like, I basically just decided within this last year that I pretty sure I want kids and it still kind of changes, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, to have to think about those things of like, okay, when I, when I'm, I'm 29, when I'm 32, should I be thinking about like freezing my eggs, like that kind of thing. And I don't know. And like, that could really very easily get me into an anxious spiral and get us all into this whole thing of, oh no, I have to figure it out. But the truth is I would rather be happily single than unhappily 
unhappy in a relationship. Kind of like Carrie said, yes, I said unhappily, but whatever. (laughs) Totally. I think that's so true. And I think that's something that a lot more people should like have that mindset of like, you know, it feels way more lonely to be lonely with a partner than it does to be lonely on your own. Like that's, it's a different kind of hurt to be like, I'm alone, but I'm with you, but I don't feel connected to you. Yeah. Yeah. So like what other like strategies have you used personally to try and like get away from the timeline or like when you're feeling jealous of friends who you see are getting married, for example? For me, what kind of similar to what you guys are saying, like I like live my life by the saying that comparison is the thief of joy. Like if I'm going to keep comparing myself to others, like I will always find something to feel less than about. But something that I find a lot of like peace in is really just reflecting on my relationship and being like, this is such a healthy relationship. I like, obviously I'm biased, but I'm like, this is probably the healthiest relationship of like most people I know. Um, And it's something that we hear from like friends and family all the time, especially the people closest to us who like know the conversations we have and the things we've been through. Like, it just feels really nice that it just us like communicating and spending time together and being in public. People are like, wow, you guys are like able to really communicate and able to really like be there for one another. And, you know, he really is like my perfect teammate. And that's not to say he always will be. And I will not always be the perfect teammate for him, but we both have you know, the want to be there for one another. And I'm just like, so grateful for that, that when I say these things and I like really reflect on it, I'm like, who cares that I'm not married right now? Like I have this person in my yeah. life. And, and at the end of the day, that's all I want. Like, I just want my life with him. So you guys are choosing each other and I'm getting yeah. all like a cancer emotional. I'm a cancer. So I I'm a cancer too. See, here we are. <laughs> y'all, y'all are seriously the same person. When's your birthday? <laughs> July 20th. Oh, mine's the second. Okay. We're not, so we don't have the same birthday, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel similarly because I think like you guys are choosing each other and actively choosing to make this relationship work because you love and care and you want to be together. And I feel like at the end of the day, like whether there's, obviously there's some things like you want to ring on your finger, you want to get married and that's going to happen because you guys both want it, but you're still together. So it's kind of like all these things that we think have to happen on this timeline is not true because you already have what you really want, you know? I think there's also something because we are very different. Like we're very much the same in a lot of ways, but we're pretty much like very different in a lot of ways as well. We have very different political views. And of course the last like couple of years that has been a trigger for people. And we like tell people and they're like, I don't understand how you guys are together. And it's been a learning experience for other people in our lives because we're like, we sit down and we listen and learn from one another. And we're not trying to change each other's minds, but we're saying, Hey, based off of my lived experiences and what I do for a living, this is how I feel. And this is how I feel. I need to, you know, vote. And this is how I feel I need to advocate for others. And he explains to me like, Hey, based off of my lived experiences and what I'm passionate about, this is where I feel. And I absolutely understand and respect his view. And he understands and respects mine. And we're never going to try and change each other's minds. But you know, those conversations, especially this last like year and a half, two years has been really important to sit down and be like, Hey, we need to find some common ground on X issue because this is a huge issue and we need to make sure that our values align here. Um, and our political views don't align, but at the end of the day, our values and beliefs and how we want to raise children and how we want to 
um, I guess like show who we are to the world is the same. So that's good enough for us, but it, for other people, it's like a shock that like, you know, oh my God, a, a Democrat and a conservative are together where it's like, people are more than their political views. People are more than what they do for work. People are more than just a parent. People are more than the things you do, you know? humans are multifaceted. So really good for me to hear, especially in the political like sector of stuff. So I think that's a really good reminder of like to have those like hard hitting conversations. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. They are like not easy, especially when we started having them because it's uncomfortable and like they get heated sometimes, but for the most part, we really have like super respectful communication and like in true therapist fashion, I'm like, all right, let's start this off. And the goal is that we're on the same team. Like, let's remind each other that we're teammates here. It's not me versus you. We're just trying to find common ground here. Um, and that's Attacking the problem, not each other. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, especially within these last two years, it's, it's hard. But the more that we have these conversations, the easier they get. Where it's like, all right, the issue is you know, what happened on Tuesday? How do you feel about it? This is how I feel about it. You know, um, most recently it was about this whole like Texas thing and how therapists can get in trouble there for just doing their job. And it's something that I feel really passionate about. So I was like, Hey, like after work, we have to talk about this. I need to make sure that you also feel that that is wrong. Um, which he does, thank God. But yeah, it's, (laughs) it's stuff like that, that for me in, my relationship, I feel it's important to talk about, but I'm sure there's people who would feel more comfortable, like sweeping it under the rug and acting like it's not a big deal. But for me, that would not work. That's such a great point. Also, like I know people who have struggled with similar things and it's not easy at all. Um, So thank you so much for sharing it. It sounds like you are communication goals, though. I will say you need to tell us how to communicate is really what we need help with. It is so funny because like we really, if I had to say like one nice thing or like one thing that Pat and I are great at, it's communicating. Like we are both and respectful communication, like that we have never cursed like at each other. And like my podcast is called Real Fucking Talk, like we curse. Um, But it was one of the things in the beginning of our relationship. I was like, I will not be spoken to in like a derogatory or negative thing. And I will never do that to you but that's super important to me and I will not tolerate it like in the slightest. Um, And that's not something that he was used to. Like he's used to like throwing F-bombs in fights and stuff. And I was like, absolutely not because fights are already heated. I don't need you to say like, fuck this in the middle of the fight because then I'm going to get even more aggressive. So like, let's calm this down. But You're like yeah. the queen of boundaries. Look at you, a <laughs> shining example. I try, I try. <laughs> I love so it. Direct. I, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I feel like there's so much more we can t- uncover with you, but I don't want to take up too much of your time and all of that, but we do have some last couple questions for you. And they're like our favorite to ask. Yes. So, you know, the podcast called therapist to brunch and our goal is really to just normalize any type of conversations over men- about mental health. Mm-hmm. So if you could talk about any mental health topic over brunch, besides kind of what we talked about today, what would it be? Oh, honestly, so, like, who am I at brunch with? Like, I got to set the scene. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, I'm at brunch with you guys. Then I feel like if I'm at brunch with you guys, I'd want to talk about something, like, 
like serious, but also that we can like normalize a little bit. Something that I've recently been more passionate about is I feel like the world has been more accepting of discussing anxiety and depression and overwhelm and stress, but not really like schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder. So like, I'd want to talk about that. And like, you know, why is the stigma around some mental health disorders decreasing while others, it's still saying the same, like that is so fascinating to me. So, you know, since you guys are therapists, I'd probably talk about that. That's a good one. And I used to work in a serious mental illness inpatient facility where we would see like a ton of those mm-hmm. issues. So that would be so interesting to chat about over brunch too. Yes. So if we were having this combo over brunch, what would you order? For sure. Hollow bread, French toast. I yes. love French toast. I will never go anywhere for brunch and not get French toast. I love it so much. What are you drinking? Honestly, I'm not a mimosa or a Bloody Mary kind of girl. So like if it's early, probably just like champagne or something. But if it's like a later brunch. She's like tequila on the rocks. <laughs> Literally <laughs> like, oh, Cosmigo's margarita. Um, yes. I love that. I love that. I thought you were, when you said, you know, if it's that early, like probably just coffee, but you just went out with champagne. Obviously. She's like, leave the, she's like, leave the orange juice. We're good. If I'm going to brunch, like we're going out, like we're not going to like the diner for breakfast. We're doing brunch. We're going out after we're doing things. We're going to make this happen, guys. We're going to talk about this stuff and then we're going to, we're going to eat and drink and have a merry time at brunch. Yes. This is so fun. I definitely love you. And this has just been so fun. But anyway, we talked about your podcast and all that, but just share with the people how they can find you and all that good stuff. And obviously we'll put it in the show notes. Yes. So the podcast is called real fucking talk. The fucking is spelled F C K N. You can find that wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can find me on Instagram at real.fckn.talk. My website is rftpodcast.com. And I think that's it. I think that's like all my things. We will be sure to tag you in everything, but we love you so much. You are a part of our crew for sure now. Yes, I know. This was so fun. Yes. Okay, awesome. All right, guys. Well, as always, if you liked today's episode, make sure you're subscribed, rate us five stars, and be sure to leave a review. We love to read them, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.